Pick up your paintbrush. It's time for Hobby Support Group, The Gallery, Part 2. Da, 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 da. The Gallery. Hello, listeners. And today, Eddie's joining me as we can record the conclusion to April and May's Gallery, the long-awaited second instalment. Here we are, Ed. Good evening. Good evening. The sense of uh, anticipation is palpable. Now, due to timey-wimey, not quite sure when this is going to go live, Ed, listeners, hopefully you enjoyed, we'll say, last week's episode. We'll <laughs> see when this one comes out. Now, we're recording this on a Thursday evening with the assumption that's going to be coming out to you a week on Saturday. We will see. This is the joys of trying to do a weekly podcast when life and things intervene. And we ended up having to record this on a Thursday evening, not Monday evening. And time does not dictate that it's going to be edited for Sunday. I mean, so, it's fair to say that we've not been on a week long bender. We've been pretty, pretty busy. It's life. Um, it's been a week for us all. Anyway, this is not the Tom Moans show. That's the hobby <laughs> update. This is the positive gallery trip. So before we start, Ed, do you have a beverage to take us through this evening's gallery? So I've just got a glass of water. I'm being abstemious because I've already had a, a sugary drink. I had a marimba. I don't know if it's a marinda or a marimba. But anyway, fizzy orange drink. Um, and now I'm trying to um, purify myself with a glass of water. I mean, a posh Fanta. Is a, it's a posh Fanta, yeah. It, it, in the, the oik parlance of a... Indeed. Uh, yeah, uh, we're talking hobby. It's the summer, so I'm on a limoncello and water. Classy. Classy, classy me. In a uh, glass tank, in a grouse tankard, because I couldn't find a smaller, well, so it's, it's rather overcompensatory, but never mind. Let us crack on with the gallery for this month, carrying on from where we were last week. And so we, this evening we start off with Neil's Dark Elf Blood Cauldron for Warmaster. And once again, Neil, you know, this is a great model. You instantly tell what it is. Great paint job, amazing print, and it just looks fab. Any thoughts, Ed? Um, I can't see it because you've not shared your screen. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> I was thinking, at what point should I interrupt you to tell you that? Ooh, actually, yes. No, you weren't lying. This is very good. Uh, and this is uh, six. Uh, this is ten mil, is it? This will be ten. I think. Yeah. yeah this this will be a Warmaster ten mil print. That's and great. I I think this is fab. I I really like it. I I really like how you instantly tell what it is without having to know what it is. Uh, I think it. I think it's the, the great thing about Warmaster is, is is now this might sound really stupid. But so many of the like the cool Warmaster minis just look like the 28 mil counterparts shrunk down. So you just go instantly, know what that is. And I, I really like this. And, and it, 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 I can't wait to see the whole of this army when Neil has finished it. He's using a really good palette as well. He's got lots of deep reds and blacks and greens. It looks very appropriate for Dark Elves. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I think it's it's a very cool, and it's also cool to be seeing Neil 
actually like now having like really sort of powering through an army and get it finished. Uh, you know, really looking forward to seeing the whole thing finished. Now moving on to something a little bit more you know, earthbound than some dark elf chariots. We have porking tigers, blood and panda ships, and a load of his 28 mil buccaneery looking chaps. And the more I see of these things that Paul is is painting up and some of the, the games that he plays with these, it actually makes me almost contemplate going, mm, pirates. They could be yeah. fun. Yeah. And if I hadn't have seen these, I don't think I'd want to go within, you know, six feet of a, a pirate based game. I don't know about you, Ed, but the... No, I, I had a sort of desire at some point to do flying boats. This was uh, before I got back into hobbying properly, I was um, started to look online at different sort of miniatures that people were bringing out and sort of dipping my toe in. And for a while I thought, well, I won't do an army, I'll, but maybe I'll do a flying boat. And I never got around to doing a flying boat, but even a seabound boat uh, uh, would, 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 would still be pretty good. Um, yeah, he, he does uh, lovely painted um, uh, miniatures, the uh but you can see there's rigging in the boats as well there's 28 mils so you know this is this is a, a big boat a big chunk of boat yeah um, this, this is this mm. is big boy windy boat game absolutely yeah sailing isn't it um he kind of terrifies the, me the thought of those ships <laughs> yeah no i well you got the storage thing as well you know putting it together but um he posted a picture up um i think today where there was a battle on a um a coastline so he, he had a beach set up as well and um yeah really kind of immersive the the, the hobbying that's going on here yeah uh, it, that, more boats more boats yeah just yeah i, I think this is something it, it really really appeals to me to play with somebody else's miniatures hope you're listening yeah. paul um because then i don't have to store them or transport them or you know, kill them out. But th no, this just looks such, I think this would just look one of those like really cool things that was just sort of set up on the corner of a table, like in, in the corner of a living room. And it's just, for me, it would just be an amazing piece of decorative art. Yeah, yeah. alone actually, you know, yeah, the game and toys you know, come along and play with them. You know, they, they just look really, really super fun. And yet yeah, the, the rigging, and the actual use of like I think it's calico like that is used for the sails and stuff. Yeah, like they're properly stitched. They just look, you know, what better? I, I I'm out of superlatives already, and we've been recording for like three minutes <laughs> to, to see what I, they, I need my sheet. It, it it's definitely um something to commit to. If you if this was what you wanted to do for hobbying, it's um it's a big commitment I think. But it really pays off when you look at something like this. Well, I suppose in many ways, like the ships themselves also like double as your terrain, don't they? Yeah. Not, not if you're playing them on a coastal board, then no. But if you're doing a sort of like a boarding action with the two ships and like a few rowing boats, that sort of thing, they are like the, they are your terrain that you're actually fighting on. Yes. As well, they are, they are sort of like your islands. You know, they are actually like representing the land mass as well as moving around themselves. So I suppose that is possibly one way of a bit of self-justification of. Yes, <laughs> it's not quite as, you know, 
insane as it initially appeals. But yeah, it, 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 I do take my hat off to, you know, 28 mil scale rigged sailing boats is. Um, at what, what point do you draw the line, Paul? Please sort of let us know. You know <laughs> is it like, uh, is there some sort of like first rate and that's sort of like going to drop down at some point that, you know, just don't actually how big uh, they would be in 28 mil scale. I imagine quite large. Yeah, I mean, what 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 period is this? This is early 18th century, is that right? Uh, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. I I am completely out of depth with like, what was the golden age of piracy? Uh, I guess. Late. Yeah. It's Georgian period, isn't it? But sort of later. So it's like post. It's around AWI sort of period isn't it? into like it's it's pretty much finished by the end of the napoleonic yeah period, isn't it? i think it starts with sort of queen anne again i'm sure people are shouting at us on, uh, uh, through the through their devices we get like um pre-english civil war i mean you, if you go all the way, way back to drake if you wanted to uh with the privateers against the spaniards but i couldn't tell i mean i know virtually nothing about these big boats and you know what what the sizes were and the terminology um but uh i'm if i was going to say purely by the tricorns and the coats maybe marlborough era is 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 what he's gone for but i we should, we should quiz him next time he's down at the club yeah i i would if i had to purely guess yeah i would say that sort of like mid 17th century point yeah ish um I do know from a, a little bit of reading I did about pirates, uh, it's especially sort of like the Jamaica based or like the Caribbean ones. It seems quite often whenever they got a decent ship, they immediately sank it. Yeah, those, <laughs> those handling mishaps. We're back to canoes, lads. Off we go again. Um, uh, anyway, so that's thank you very much for that, Paul. Please tell us how wrong we were in Tom and Ed's idle conjecture about something they don't really know. Um, now, moving on to Richard Boker and now from one thing which we're not really super 100% sure on the details to something else that we're not 100% super sure on the details for and these are some techno looking dwarf dudes yeah um, I'm afraid I'm a loss to exactly what these are um they're very cool looking they are yeah I've never seen these before either no, they're, they're sort of like I would describe them as this is a audio described miniature painting podcast. For some reason, they are almost like a cross between like a chaos dwarf and a gladiator. Yes. With. Old school ogre styling as well. So yeah. they're, I think they're quite cool. Uh, in fact, I think they're very cool. Very distinctive. I think these these would work definitely. I think if if you wanted a sort of an army or like a a force of dudes who may be chaos, they may be ne'er do wells, or also just they're not just are quite a unique look. I think these look really cool. I like the paint job on them as well. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And I I think these are quite an interesting take on the more sort of techno dwarfy sort of thing which aren't just a ripoff of squats or aren't anything i i'm pretty sure these aren't gw um 
yeah no they, they, they certainly aren't um i think they are because they are it, it's that sweet spot where it looks um kind of like conan the barbarian in that it looks like an ancient civilization that isn't um sci-fi but is advanced enough that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference and is now in the state of decay that's the vibe i'm guessing yes i think there's i think there's, yeah like these could be because I, I actually have no idea what they are these could be like an advanced ancients like an advanced fantasy race in that they could be like technologically advanced dwarves in a fantastical race or they could easily be sci-fi space dwarves i think at the same time um, yeah. Yeah. please let us know what these are richard yeah <laughs> the the um uh colors that he's got as well the, the i think the metalwork is essentially just very dark green isn't it i think so i think it, i think it's just like a, a like a very yeah so it's like a dark green and then like the blue like the washed out blue like ethereal effect for the weapons and the some of the other metal i really like the color scheme on them i i think yeah. they sort of they look kind of like weirdly ethereal sort of yeah they, they do sort of look very ancient and old and i, I think they just really cool i also really like the bases on them they just the way they're based up you know in the units of four in, in the movement trays and the way they don't just with like the clumps is obviously for a game that uses individual figure removal oh yeah. i think these look a lot of fun um so thank you very much richard for sharing those please let us know what they are and then moving on now to some more warmaster love and we were talk, talking early on about like the potential of how you can instantly tell what some of these 10 mil warmaster figures are and sasha of illusionary terrain posted up a tree man that he's working on and i don't think i've ever seen a better tree man yeah of any scale in that it looks like a tree that is a man um i think the use of flock and clump foliage for the canopy on this miniature is an inspired choice yes and i don't know if the effect would look as good at 28 mil or bigger scale i don't know if it sort of works so well on the smaller like the 10 mil scale because the clump looks like a clump of tree foliage you don't need to see the tiny branches and the individual twiglets which you might in a, a larger one but i i think this is absolutely cracking sasha um almost makes me think about the possibility of doing like a a lord of the rings based sort of game in 10 mil just for the last march of the ends just <laughs> so you can have a whole army of ends very I, slowly moving around the table yes um, till they get a bit hasty and then you know <laughs> bad times all around if you're in there do well um no i think these are great um, yeah I, I have some clump foliage which i bought from illusory terrain so if you're looking for clump foliage if um sasha's end has tickled your fancy uh, i think they're still selling it please let us show more of those 
Sasha, when you've got them posted up. Now moving on to Sean Clark, and we start off with again some tricorns, which Tom and Ed can then try and identify because we really <laughs> do our homework for this and we have the pictures, but then it's like, what is it? Um, Ooh. <laughs> Brilliant. This is six mil, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, these are definitely sixes. I'm going AWI with these. I could be completely wrong. Uh, you and your thoughts, Ed? I think it's Marlborough. I think. I it's... think. Yeah, I, 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 these might yeah. be Spanish succession. Um, yes. Yeah. Because they are. That, that... Now, if this is where I'm uh, scratching my brain, um, uh, is that blue? Is it French? I mean, certainly the tricorns are, are, are black um i don't know which side it is he doesn't have a flag so in my defense i can't identify them because they've not got a flag no but, I, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, they seem to be black tricorns with a potential yellow flash on the top yes um, this could be my monitor could be the color of the photograph I'm not really sure they're very nice sean and please apologies for us sounding like a pair of idiots um <laughs> We are, but still, they are very, very nice. Um, then a wagon and some ancients, chariot, some cowboys. These are really nice. Um, yes. Don't know if these are from the Pony Wars. I think so. This so, is US Cavalry, I think, isn't it? They definitely look like it. And you know, this this is the joy of, of six mil. It's how you can like, instantly tell what stuff is when you actually know what it is that you're looking at. Um, yes. I said, unfortunately, um, I will hold my hand up. Things are like, I have like a huge blank spot in knowledge, really, from like the end of the English Civil War. And it's also like halfway through the Napoleonic Wars. It's all funny hats and, you know, marching songs that you might know, but know very little. So actually yeah. about it. I don't know what your knowledge of. Um, I, I it, it tends to be the historical people and the politics rather than the warfare. Um, but again, it's not a period I know an awful lot about. I did study a little bit of the literature from the period at uni, and I think I know some of the beats of some of the wars, but um, and broadly why they happened. But yeah, in terms of you know tactics, what made this kind of warfare different, and most of the uniforms, I'd be a bit scuppered, as as we have just seen. Yeah, um, it's fun learning about it though. This is why at some point we will do the War of the Spanish Succession. Yes, it's fun to go into something knowing nothing and start learning and you realize I really do know nothing. I have lots to learn and then you, <laughs> the more you learn, the more confused you get. It will. We are hopefully recording with Peter Berry um, next week and it is only after I think about four years of playing ECW and having read dozens of books on it. I think I've finally made like the intuitive leaps to understand some aspects of 17th century warfare so we will now see how many years it takes me to leap forward to 18th we'll get there <laughs> but in, at the moment here we are looking at some 19th century u.s cavalry and these look really nice sean and then as we're just zipping through the centuries now some 20th century 15 mil world war one dudes and these look absolutely Cracking. I'm assuming these are 15s. Um, yeah, 
I think you're right. I think these are probably Peter Pig minis. I, I also suspect you're right. Um, I really like how these are all, all based up. Yeah. They, these look fab. And this is, again, one of those examples of, you know, we've talked about it a lot, so hopefully going to have Alex on soon to talk about some World War One gaming. But, you know, the defense of a canal, or you know, a, a battle for a canal bridge, one of those quintessential World War One scenarios. And this looks a really fun game, and the miniatures yeah. look spot on. But please let us know more about this, Sean. I love the command base he's got there with the. Um, uh, Guys with some kind of viewfinder, I think there's that V. Yep, that's the the like rangefinder E. Yes, and then someone's uh, abandoned lunch by the look of it. Well, it's it's you've got to have the tables and yeah, you know, a bit of prop first and stuff. It's it's a Sunday afternoon after all. Of course. Um, and then some Napoleonic looking cavalry, and I think they're guard. Yeah, right. yeah, I think you're right. Going that these, uh, I'm, I'm afraid I don't know if they're middle or old. They're guard. Um, I think this is, this is actually quite an. In, this would be quite an interesting battle. Actually, I think something has gone. I think whoever is viewing this battle is probably a bit of the ergot because you've got, <laughs> um, you know, you've got a Napoleonic guard army at the back. Then to one flank you've got some orcs and goblins, an armored car in the far back, and then some. Belgians, maybe at the front, um, possibly, or Bavarians. Um, it's a very strange battle, whatever is going on. Um, yeah, I forget which coalition it was that the goblins got involved in, but it was it the fourth? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's, I, I, even when you read like the most uh, sort of like propagandist, you know, pamphlets of the time, I'm not sure who the goblins are actually there representing. Um, but they're also giant goblins as well, so it's so definitely having a bad day um and then moving on to again like one of the, the the true joys i think of smaller scale gaming is the fact that you can break out the really fun terrain pieces that make it more practical on a slightly smaller scale and we now here we see sean's steam locomotive with the carriages and the bunker cars and like the flat car and everything which I'm not sure what scale this is. I'm assuming it's 15. It looks 15. I don't think it's 28. Um, that, that, that makes sense. I think you're probably right. Yeah. But I, I think like it, it just sort of makes sense because you can have it on the table and not completely dominate the table. But it's now like I, I, I've played a number of World War Two 28 mil games where someone's got like a, a scale train on because they, they make quite good, relatively cheap line of sight blocking terrain. And yet you have half the battle is, yeah, half my army is just hiding and shooting underneath this one train carriage at your army. Um, and then because I think Sean, I think this month it, it's a very hotly contested who has the most eclectic collection of things that they've painted this month. But uh, I think Sean is, could be a late entry into that to some other figures here now. And not sure what these are because you've got what looks like guys with crossbows, spears, 
Barangans and BARs and all sorts going on at the same time. Um, please let me know what these are, Sean. Apologies, listener, for I think the theme of this evening is I don't know what this is. Please let me know. Um, do you have any ideas of what these are, Ed? I'm assuming they must be from different sets, and he's just this just happens to be what's on his uh, painting table. But um, uh, I am somewhat at a loss to think of. I mean, all I can come up with is possibly some sort of like Filipino gorillas, possibly, um, or like the uh, like American Spanish War or something. But like, I think possibly like yeah, Philippine gorillas. Because um. I can imagine um, spears and rifles. Uh, uh, but the crossbows as well. I don't know who who fought with crossbows while rifles were still a thing. Uh, no. Rifles were a thing. But um, yes, no. This is this is fascinating. They look nice anyway. Whatever they are. Yeah, ah. certainly. So thank you very much, Sean, and apologies for all the butchering of this is nice, but I don't know what it is. Uh, I, yeah, no. I this is this is a really interesting collection, and also quite a lot of work for a, for a, for a month. That's. Now, moving on to Soren, and this was a really cool project that Soren posted up that I really like that you're. He made some push mold bases, which he then painted up to use as the lid covers for his paint collection. Ah. So you can actually sort of see what they look like on some detail, which I think is like a really clever idea because I think like I don't have any I only have a couple of the contrast paints but something that is very obvious about them is how they react very differently than you might necessarily expect to detail and texture and that sort of thing so this idea of like having a texture bit on the end of each paint tub so you actually see what they look like when they're painted up is, is a really clever idea and I think also making your own is also going to save your fortune if you've got like a few dozen tubs of paint that you decide you want to a big fancy idea on uh i think also i know like definitely like one of the hobby things in vogue at the moment is making a dry palette i don't yeah. know if you've seen those Ed, but i think like you know a whole collection of these that soren has made these bases that soren's made up here would make probably quite an interesting dry palette certainly yeah if you want to that's, that's a really cool hobby uh idea there soren you know and then moving on to i think you know, Torrent's ongoing you know, saga of painting the Conan minis games. And I think here we have who I am assuming is a Zeus. Um, or a legally distinct Zeus. Yes. In the Conan universe. Um, very nice. Gives it away, doesn't it? Uh, really nice. I like very much like the look of like the use of the gold on his cloak and and the bright yellow base. I think mm. I'd, I'd never really thought of painting a bright canary yellow rim on the end of a base. But I actually think it makes this figure pop quite a lot more than yeah. I think it would have with a black base or a sandy coloured base. Uh, don't know your thoughts on that. I mean, these are very much playing pieces, aren't they? So you want to be able to distinguish them and, and, and doing a coloured rim. When I was a kid, um, this wasn't because I did it tactically. I think I just saw someone else do it and I decided to do it. I painted all the rims of my miniatures red. 
And I thought that was the way to go. Um, but yeah, if you need to, um, and we've spoken about it as well for small scale historicals, the idea that maybe you do the edge of a rim one color, which is what I want to do with my six mil Austrians so that I can tell broadly speaking, which regiment is, is, is which, but doing the whole round rim, especially when they're essentially board game pieces, I, I think it's, you're not going to get, you're not going to get confused as to which side that guy's on. No, and I, I think it actually very strangely, I think it blends into the miniature. Yeah. I, I think it complements the miniature quite nicely. Um, you know, the, the, the painting board edges is something I'm doing at the, as we speak, really, with some of my, uh, I've done a, I'm working through a, a Panzer Grenadier company and mm -hmm. accoutrements. And because I, I, I've multi-based each squad, I'm having to, I'm going to color code each squad base. So I know yeah, these three bases combined to form this one squad. Because I'm being really cheap and I'm want, I, I've done like a one-to-one plans are going to do a company, but I want to be able to break that company up and use it as more than its constituent parts playing all hell let loose. Yes. I don't have the space of the money for two six mil plans are going to do armies just based slightly differently. It can be, well, these five dudes on this base represent five dudes, or it can be these five dudes on this base represent 12. Welcome to the maths. Um, anyway, back to Soren. Another one of uh, the Kona minis and another chap with a really cool dynamic looking cape. Oh, yes. Uh, he's definitely like, yeah, I think this is a cool character. He could be a hero, could be a villain. If it's hero, villain fits in the Kona universe. I think either way, cool shield as well. And then a whole bunch of undeady, nerdy-welly construct-looking chaps. So I'm sure you're going to have to sort of butcher and murder in various gory ways while traipsing through temples looking for elephant head gods to burglar. Um, I really one like these. Them, one of them's really whacking the heck out of his uh, base. He's sort of definitely sort of. Uh, practicing that superhero landing yes when, you know, he, he wants to that walk on role in one of the next uh marvel movies you know i've got the landing down i do all my own stunts <laughs> uh, i think these are really cool i think these these are a great example for people to you know check this picture out on the facebook group in the gallery how like just changing up the paint palette a little bit makes the figures look very very different because look at the guy in the middle like the very white guy who looks very much like an undead zombie mm. compared to like the guy or the, the, the female character like next to him who just looks sort of grimy and a bit strung out. I think that's like a really different vibe to the game you're going for by just changing the skin tone. Um, yeah. It's a really cool idea. Like, I, I like these a lot, Soren. Then moving on now to some stuff from Soren to Stefan, and I absolutely know what these are. Thankfully, we now have the World War II Soviet Naval Brigade, and it's good to chat about. I think they actually know what it is. And these look Ooh, absolutely yeah. amazing from you know, the landing ship, the basing of these, 
and these are from Stefan's Kickstarter for the 3D printed figures that he sculpted up. So this is very cool to see, you know, figures that a listener has sculpted himself and got printed. Um, hopefully going to be chatting with him at some point about these and then, you know, how listeners can get their mitts on them and get them printed up and on the table because they are great. And who doesn't want, you know, if you play World War II Soviets, you probably want some sailors because they're quite cool. They're everywhere. They're some yeah. of the, like, the really important battles. And these are just such really nice characterful sculpts. And I think for me, they sort of very much, I think they exemplify like what's best in like smaller, like large skirmish size 28 mil games where you want your characters to not be caricatures, but you're going to, they're going to be characters. I think mm. like if, if we like look at what we're looking at here, like with the, the Maxim Gunner and like the loader slash of aimer who's, you know, pointing things out. And then you can very easily like, you know, give him a name. You know, if they keep missing, you just go <laughs> at squinty eyed Boris over there who's trying to, you know, call out all the shots and he's, you know, everything's three meters off because I have too much bit too much go juice this morning. Um I think that these these are really, really nice. Um, you know, and uh, here we are looking at the sniper team and you know if one of these two actually, you know, manages to kill the enemy sniper, then you know that they're having their membership of the, the sniper's union withdrawn. Because you know <laughs> that's that's just not cricket chaps. Um but also this base just looks absolutely inspired. Yeah, Stefan, you know, to actually like make a base for a sniper team that looks like they're dug in, or in this case, hiding in a ditch. Um, I really, really, really like. Um, it's, and it, it's, it's every base is like a mini diorama. It's amazing. Yeah, they are, and it's like, I think, it, it, I think this is a great base of like. It's obviously like a base that's like been a huge amount of work, and is incredibly impressive doesn't look really busy it looks real yeah. rather than this is somebody who spent you know many hours making this base but it looks real enough so like they've, they've not made any effort on the base if that makes sense um yeah it, it, it's, it, 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 composition is the key isn't it yeah and here we have like the, the again like an at rifle that just looks like these guys have tried to scrape out the best firing pit that they can in the earth you know just nice use of a few rocks, some clumps, some flowers. Really cool sculpts. And again, you know, th this is cool. And I, I think this is a, a, a thing that I'm really pleased to see in that when he's designed these. He's made sure that the figure and the rifle fits within the lip of the base. Yeah. Because the amount of um, Soviet anti-tank rifle teams that I've got, which have got like wonky barrel syndrome, because... The barrels are stuck out like a centimeter after the end of the base, so they're gone. And um, we'll point out what from my bolt action days, I do quite like anti tank rifles, so I've got two Soviet armies which have six in each, so quite like these. Mm. Then, more to team again, you know, we were talking about how you can sort of get quite a lot of character 
in with the, the 28 mil figures. Yeah, this guy of like one of the mortar team members who's just covering his ears. Well, you know, rounds going down the tube. Just so characterful and just, mm. you know, if they miss. Well, yeah, because he's got his eyes closed. I was supposed to like, you know, range it in when he's got his eyes closed. That's, I, I, I think, you know, really, really. And I think, I honestly think this, Stefan, I think these are a lot nicer than most, if not almost all, of the like 28 mil weapon teams you can buy by the big manufacturers for for World War II stuff. I think you, you really should have like a massive congratulations for these because they look absolutely gorgeous. And I know I would quite like to get my mitts on them at some point, even though I'm not currently playing a lot or any, to be honest, uh, 28 mil World War II, they could very well tempt me back into it in the future because they are that nice. Now, moving on to uh, Stephen Kellen and some more of his GDOB's work, this time with some Chaos Nerdlings. Yes. And I have to admit, I did not know Chaos Orcs were back. <laughs> did they ever leave? Um, uh, th th these are the guys from the... Oh, gosh. Uh, one of the box games that they did where it, you, you're on a rogue trader ship and they translate into the warp without the Gellerfield on or the Gellerfield gets turned off. So half the crew turn into uh, Gribblies. Um And, uh, yeah, these are little metal-headed uh, Nurglings. With, one's got a wooden sword, it looks like. Yeah, I have to say, I'm quite pleased to find out that these are from a box game because it then means Tom has not going to try and find them to buy them. <laughs> But, oh, uh, they'll be on eBay though. That's the thing. Yeah, because um, some I think like some of the old like Chaos Orc artwork is some of my favourite artwork. Yeah. And yet you could never they never made a lot of those as actual minis, but it's just amazing artwork. And I thought seeing these, you're like, oh, have they started to find is, is that something else that they're now giving us that we really wanted in 1987, but we're <laughs> now getting. But no, the. I think it's impossible not to like a Nurgling. Yeah. Uh, I think, and Nurglings, which have gone very gribbly, I think are, you know, Nurglings gone wrong. Where can you go wrong as a, a sculpt from? And the paint job on these, Stephen, is just top notch. As mm -hmm. as all his stuff is, you know, the, the desert bases, but the Martian bases, the colours on them, they just look absolutely fantastic. And then the other end of the, the probably the point base, if we're playing you know, games with points, you've got Nurgling to a Trick-Tite Demon Prince. I imagine they're rather different with the point priced in the game. Uh, this is one of my favourite Demon Princes I think I've seen for a very long time. I really, really like how he's managed to make the parts of like the power pack and the armor come across how it is organic and it's and the flesh of the thing it's the same thing it's like a it isn't a monster wearing a suit of armor it's it is like a, a monster wearing a suit of armor but the armor is also itself um which i know it's this is a joys of 40k fluff of how you can become living armor and yes all this sort of stuff um 
I really liked, I think especially like the power pack. I forgot what the proper terminology is for the backpack. I think um, power pack, I think it's, that's what it's called. But I, I just think having that making it look, you know, the same color as its flesh, it's just, a, I think, like an inspired choice. Um, I really like it. It's, it's um, yeah, because it, 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 it's a kind of old um, trope from Games Workshop Living Armor, which again is something he's, they nicked off Michael Moorcock, and I'm sure Moorcock nicked it off some other folks. But I think the great thing about this sculpt and, and the way that um, he's painted it is that you sometimes you can't tell the difference. So it's gone from metal to skin and then back to metal again, especially the device on his hand. Yeah, it's almost like it. It's almost like his flesh is sort of like his body is like consuming the armor. One way or is it like the armor consuming the flesh is well, I suppose. It's what you want it to be, isn't it? You know, it's, it's absolutely. This is 40k fluff, you know, it's made of cheese, you know, it's full <laughs> of mice, it's whatever you want it to be. Um, I, I really like it, I think it's really cool. Um, and also, bizarrely, for this, it's a demon print which doesn't necessarily at least scream 40k specific. I think, yeah, it, obviously, it does scream 40k because it's a 40k demon print. But I think you could easily have this in like a and d game as like a big gribbly demon, you know. I think it would still sort of work. Um, yeah. Um, something that you're probably not going to get away with in most other games is uh, Sister of Battle exosuit. Um, not sure what this is called because I don't follow the current fluff anymore, but we'll call it the GW Legally Distinct Aliens inspired power loader. Yes. Sister of Battle Walker thing. Um, not really a fan of this as a model. The paint one, it's really cool. Um, yeah, no, certainly. Yeah. I think it's, I, I don't know what it's called either. It's something that they've sort of gobbled up in terms of their sort of uh, ideas for models because it was the, um, uh, uh, the the Grey Knights had a the, the first version of the um, power loader from from Aliens. This I think is a better sculpt, but I guess the the the, the real thing is the, is the paint job is great. A um, mix of reds, uh, uh, dark reds, and, and blacks it, and silvers, really really nice. Yeah, I, I would imagine this is probably an awfully hard thing to paint because it's basically a giant suit of power armor. Yeah, and you've got so many like large like curved very especially like on the like the upper thighs of the loader thing which are yeah. just like oversized human legs but they're just very large plain slightly curved panels yeah it's probably got to be an absolute bit of a nightmare to sort of paint and how it's got all the weird shadows in it with it, it being sort of yeah you know, it's roughly human proportioned but oversized i think he's done an absolutely cracking job yeah on like on painting this then a core knight dude not sure exactly if this is a, i don't think this is a special character um i don't think so no really like this i think this is a, a really cool i like the like blood red look on on this is a corn guy uh, so i've never actually sort of seen a corn dude that exact shade of red before but it sort of seems perfectly fitting for a core night dude 
very nice. Then some pink horrors. Because who doesn't want multi gribbly Zeechian demon creatures to ruin your afternoon? Mm. Um, great use of the you know, gain the vibrancy and, and making these not look like Power Rangers villains and actually sort of making them look scary. Um, and so like actually making the, you know, the bright pink still look like flesh tones. Yeah, I think it's really cool. But I think for me, I think where Stephen really sort of knocked it out of the park this week is with these salamanders and like the depth he got to this green power armor, uh, which is sickeningly nice. Um, yeah, I think that they just look such like genuine like depth and reality in the the green on on this armor, especially on the like the legs and the the how the helmets look like they're sort of they've taken more wear and they're just a bit worn and it, it, it's just faded it's inspiring stuff Stephen. yeah it, it, it's really good because green is one of those colors i think i've painted quite a lot of but there's a lot in green there's lots of variants as it were um lots of kind of like things you could add to it to make it more bright and yeah the the he's, he's got the balance just right on these also, I really like the um, the, the head swaps um, because this is the resin kit that they did for this particular legion, and um, some of them were a bit ropey. I think the um, the, the space wolves one were uh, yeah, met with right. some surprise, but the the salamanders ones are great, and um, yeah, re really um, nice work that he's done on them. Yeah, but we won't talk about the space wolf upgrade. Yeah, but best not. Uh, <laughs> it's up to now. Actually, it was really good. It's a uh... It's good when you know you get like hard yeah that's really bad to, to prevent you drawing you back in uh something <laughs> else i just quickly point out on these that i think is is well worth a note is the flames that is painted on these which are they look like decals yeah they're so nice um if they are decals they're really good decal work but i think it's painted them on um and they look really cool and yeah. then i think the, the nice understatedness yes of them yep. sort of works quite well um and then a couple more of these dudes and yeah i i can't praise these enough uh for just like salamanders which you know the green space marines how exciting can they look look at what stephen's painted up here i think we say that quite a lot about stephen's marines don't i think i know i've said it about his black temple stuff you know, you look at how power armor can be really exciting to look at when it's a single color, when you breathe life into it through paint and you know, really great. And then a rhino. Uh, Heri uh, traitor rhino. Again, I think it's got one of the upgrade kits on. Yeah. That's great. Good, good stuff. I mean, unfortunately for Stephen, his stuff is also always so nice. You sort of run out of ways of going. That's really nice. I like it. <laughs> it's good. It's fantastic. I think it's, it's, had... One thing I was going to say was the um, the Randall on the uh, the door. Uh, nice sort of. Because um, I think this is Sons of Horus. I think. Uh, I think it's, it's definitely a Horus eye, isn't it? I think. It's, yeah. Uh, 
So um, the uh, sort of going from the orange through to the yellow, really nice because the rest of it is just like a a a, a, a black um, dark blue uh, highlighted black, but with the spots of red. That's the thing. It's 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 subtle. It's it's knowing what to do to make the the miniature pop, as it were. Well, it's something I've said before when we've been doing the galleries. I think people who paint maybe like just normal tank, like real tanks and historical armor, and people who paint like especially like GW and Forge World armor can learn from each other because yeah. I think there are definitely techniques that both use that can like influence and elevate both types of painting because i think yeah something like like a rhino as a model is basically a brick yeah with huge flat panels that no real world tank would has been like you know within about five minutes of tanks being designed um and so they they are in i think like especially like 40k aesthetic tanks are much harder to paint and look cool than real world tanks because you've just got so much more flat non-angled surfaces to work at which are really hard at least i find like a very flat panel really mm. hard to paint because it just shows up any mistakes that you make in the painting so, whereas i think whereas and so I, I think like looking at how historical modelers and scale modelers paint their tanks and especially like the weathering and authentic battle damage and that sort of stuff can apply to 40k stuff i think it's something that the 40k players can learn but i think how the 40 what the scale modelers and the historical painters can learn from the 40k people is how you can use very subtle um other colors to make things pop but you obviously don't want to make your actual like camouflage tank pop because it then sort of like you know completely defeats the point of painting it up in camo so you don't want it to sort of pop but you actually go maybe i'll put like a, a furled flag or a furled top no. or something in the stowage what color shall i have that to make it look a little bit more visually interesting than just unwashed like oh i will do like a olive drab you know for a change um anyway that's fine two pence digression from there mm. so moving on from uh, like a good quality some good quality painting to the other end of the painting spectrum we now move on to something that actually i painted um you know for the first time in ages uh we've got something i painted i'm actually quite pleased with this this is my sniper team for uh, just load that up and this is my sniper team for Xenus uh, Rampant slash Freikor versus Spartacists and all sorts. And this is a bit of a kit bash. It's the War Games Atlantic Late War Germans, World War One Germans, with a Tamiya war kit. And the idea for this is I wanted it to be a sniper team that looked like they're dug in in a basement or like a, a smashed building, but they've got some paper mache heads on sticks which they're poking out to use as, as decoys and i also in uh Xenos rampant your units have multiple wounds and so i wanted this to have an easy way of tracking wounds so i've magnetized 
the paper mache heads ah. so they they can be detached for wounds and then the magnets stand as empty ration cans that's clever, um, that clever. So i'm really quite pleased with this um it looks a bit better now it's actually completely finished because i managed to put a bit more rubble in it so the, the, the figures are sort of thin and all i did with the figures was i just sort of like cut them off so half like mid thigh so they look like they're sort of submerged a bit in the basement um it's just a really simple sort of yeah little conversion kit but just you know, i like the idea of you've got the paper mache head on the stick just being popped out over the wall um yeah it's it's a sniper team that just does sort of what it is and you know the, these are intended to sort of pull a lot of duty um definitely they'll be using my Frycore sparse assist game and when i finally get around to playing some seniors rampant with my space fry core um because who says you can't have miniatures for more than one game at the same time and so here we are at the end of this month's gallery and where can we end but the warren standard and thank you so much warren for everything that you've posted up this week or this last couple of months and we start off with the medical core and these are going to be some 20 mil dudes i'm very much assuming and well i hope you've got the superlative list handy with you ed because i think <laughs> you're going to need it for these chaps because where to start warren yeah um, i mean it's photorealistic uh, uh, uh verging on photorealistic i mean the um uh really characterful models as well um i think we've spoken about the the, just with very subtle changes of colour, you can, uh, even though these are just, a lot of these are just browns and greens, they are exactly the right brown and exactly the right green that you know exactly what kind of the material is. It's like just recognition of, of, of uh, all the, you know, like I say, as if it was from a colour photo. Yeah, and even the point of like having stubble. Excuse me? Yeah, yeah. Even the point that you can like, you can tell where people have got stubble they need to shave and like, i think what really stands out to me is the fact that they're obviously they're matte they've probably been i'm assuming they've been matte hard coated and yet the guy with the bleeding leg wound the blood trickles being lost yes and i think that, that is just such an yeah. outstanding level of detail of, yeah he's bleeding so it's going to be shiny because it's wet it's just I think it's it's to me what makes Warren one of those painters who I just think you know he just deserves a round of applause. Absolutely. So much of what he paints because these are just so like yeah they are wonderful, wonderful sculpts. Yeah. And I think also to remember is these are twenty mil, so they're tiny. They're relatively yeah. they're yeah, not yeah. tiny, but you know you haven't got obviously got as, as much room to do as twenty. But like you know the guy like with the stubble who's it's a miniature like you can just even see in the way the eyes are painted he's just a guy who just looks broken yeah yeah, yeah. And, oh. and that's all purely in the paint i don't think it's necessarily there it's a cool sculpt yeah. but the look of desperate desolation i think is there in the paint job i don't yeah. think it's there in the sculpt it is you know I, 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 
that's I think that was exactly what I was thinking. I think there's a medic, I think, with his sort of hands on his knees, sort of bent over, exhausted. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we talk a lot. Yeah, that, that that guy, like he's 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 either he's looking down at someone that he's trying to help or he's just absolutely knackered. And I think that's the thing with with historical wargaming. Um, you get with miniatures like a sliding scale of like comedy heroics and then into this territory where you are trying to at least glimpse some of the kind of realism that's involved of, 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 of war. And yeah, I, I, I really good models and an outstanding paintwork. Uh, really, really good. Yeah. I, I, I think these are you know, breathtakingly nicely painted models and really gorgeous sculpts. I personally wouldn't want to play with them. Yeah. Because I think they are, they're that for me they're a step too real these uh-huh. these are they're that they're, they're the genuine representation of the realities of war and i think and i it might be a cop-out but i quite like i think the the step back that gives there we go i don't necessarily really want to be seeing realistic blood trickles on my dude to survive to shrapnel you know what like, i think you're probably right um, I think it's uh, it's about it's, it's whatever you're comfortable uh, 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 playing with, and I guess yeah, most of my wargaming is either sci-fi or history, which is quite far away. And you know, if you're looking at this, um, you know, uh, within although dwindling living memory, um, I think the uh, yeah yeah, yeah I, I, I take your point. I think I, I could definitely see myself if I could paint, wanting to paint these miniatures and these sorts of themes to have on a shelf or as a display piece or to show people things yeah i don't think i'd necessarily want them as like a gaming set for fun in in no way casting any shade at people who do and it it, is possibly you know would be better maybe to have that extra level of reality but i know it's maybe not possibly and I know when in the past when I, I've played World War Two stuff and I, I've used forces, which I have even like a relatively tenuous connection to, I found it quite distressing. Just yep. didn't like. Uh, it's a, it's an old anecdote now, but I, I did a LRDG army after interviewing a veteran, and I just couldn't play with it. I played with it once, and it was oh, I've burned that truck. I've killed Nobby. You know, I had a cup of tea with him last week. It's yeah, it was horrible. Um, so I think it's no, but. I think for to well to even have this discussion after looking at some twenty mil three D printed chaps that have been painted by somebody, I think is a testament to Warren's skill. Oh yeah, as yeah. a paint and the, whoever sculpted these. Um, and then something I know I've talked about before on the show is how in envy I am of Warren's basing of his like. 18 and tank guns yeah and so uh, he just has to you know go and just knock it out of the park again doesn't he um warren this is sickening uh, <laughs> there's, there's no around this is this is almost rude this level of modeling um it's, it's this, a rusty date i can't get over this is yeah it's a gun it's like hidden in a hedgerow by a tree with a rusty gate and I think this, it's a perfect gaming piece, but I could very, very easily see this in a 
like a winner's case at a scale modeling convention. Um, the tree itself is genuinely sickeningly good. Um, so like not only is, is it got the canopy and like a full canopy, he's also like flocked it in such a way that you can see where it's got dried bits of leaves, you know, some dried flowers. You know, it it the canopy looks like a real tree in the summer. It just is awe inspiring as a model, and yet is also a perfect gaming piece to actually play on the pot on the table and start rolling dice with. Um, yeah. Just what can you say? And then now at a slightly different end, which I think probably <laughs> most people aren't going to have uh, any problems with sort of getting the hedge moralistically playing, is a, um, I don't know what this is. I'm going to say this is like a legally distinct, fantastical interpretation of Master Blaster if you've got a dwarf and a giant involved. Yes. Um, <laughs> This is great fun. Um, I think if anybody, uh, this to me has like D and D character all over it. Um, yes, uh, it, there's definitely a story there. I, I, it's not a level one character. This is one. This is a character that has uh, uh, d developed his own story and at some point picked up a, an ogre along the way. Yeah, they, they, no, this this is one of those. This is when you have a player death at like level seventeen, isn't it? And somebody has to roll a new character. And they go, <laughs> Well, well, what multi-class character have you got? Well, I'm a, I'm a dwarf tinker who's got like 18 strengths. And how is that working? Oh, I have like, I, I've been grafted onto a giant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is fantastic work. I, I love this sculpt. Um, I would definitely have this set on the shelf. Um, I had to see, tell the wife, what do you think to this? Uh, I think, <laughs> This is great. I really like this. And the paint job on it is also cracking. Yeah, I, I imagine like yeah. trying to paint up that like an ogre with that amount of like bare slabs of flesh um, is, I would imagine, quite intimidating. Um, yeah. Somewhat disappointed that he hasn't done like a load of like freehand scroll work tattoos or something on all <laughs> that flesh, Warren. You know, this this is what we've come to expect from Warren. Um, you know. Try harder for next month, please. Uh, <laughs> now, this is it, it, it's great work. Uh, I really like it. And then miniatures that, again, fall into that you know, ever-growing category of things that I didn't know I wanted till I saw them, and now it's like I actually need those in my collection. Are a bunch of shepherds, yeah, um, shepherds and shepherdesses, and I think these are great because I can just imagine these being slipped into sort of so many different games that they would just work sort of perfectly. Um, and, you know, like the amount of games that we've played uh, which have ended up with like magic pigs and goats. Oh, yes. Yeah. And all sorts of things. I, I don't think it would now be, you know, a million miles away for some leaps of imagination for this to be some popish plot around a sheep or a goat or you know, it becomes magic or yeah. whatever. One of these I think would be fun. Um, but like jokes aside, I think these are lovely, lovely sculpts and just really nice paint jobs that just makes them look really real. Mm. Um, like I, I can fully like imagine these being in like a diorama of like European rural life, you know, almost like 
I don't know when these are supposed to technically be, but I think like I, I'm not a fashion historian, but I think you could get away with these almost from ancient to the mid 20th century. Yeah, I don't know what you think to that. I mean, the only thing that I'm sort of can't quite place is the guy with the red um, uh, shawl. His hat is is, is a, a brimmed hat, so that I think brings you at least after the 15th century. But I I mean, yeah, these these are pretty timeless. Um, I think definitely the like the guy who's period. carrying the lamp. Mm. I think he yeah, could I mean, be like a biblical figure, yes. or he's you know some bloke from Lancashire yesterday. You know, I think it's you know it's just on it's laundry day, so he's wearing his smock. Um, and I I really like these. I think that they're really lovely painted. And then again, you know, because Warren just doesn't like, you know, we think we'll, we've got harrowingly realistic medics. We've got legally distinct Master Blaster Dwarf, bunch of shepherds, you know, a rather inspiring AT gun. What, that is, is that, that's Warren done for like a two month period? Surely can't do anything else. No, we then have giant spider demon creature thing, um, which isn't even the final thing that Warren's painted this month. And I will admit I'm not a fan of this sculpt for the simple fact that I don't really like spider demon gribbly things. Um, it's just a, a monster style thing that I'm not into. But the paint job on this and like the idea of how like the chichness armor and the flesh mm. all makes it. I think it's as real looking as you're going to get for a, a spider demon. Thingy job. Um, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are. And this one, Ed. My immediate thought was it was a D and D. Was it the Driders? The one the dark, uh, where the Drow turn into spider dudes. Uh, but I think the skin tone, skin maybe maybe it is, and and it's just the, uh, the skin tones are slightly different. I mean, it's a great uh, uh, um, job. It always goes without saying, and I think it's clever with the palette. You know, you've got very kind of light blue into turquoise going through to the purple and the red, you have essentially what most of us would do would just be like okay, more or less the same color. You have all the different colors beneath, as it were. So the the purpley, the, the red and the purple and the green in the turquoise mean that the whole composition is there's a lot of contrast in it, even though the actual palette is pretty on the on the on the face of it, it's all one color. But the subtleties within all the colours used, so you've got a really cool composition. Yeah, I think that's one of the the great things about it is, yeah, it's it's the colour palette that makes it look so I think so real and realistic for something quite odd. Also, I like how it all fits on space as well, which is again yes. a really nice consideration. And then you know, I think everything that we've talked about so far wasn't even Warren's main project for the month. <laughs> That, that was all his like side hobbying. The main thing he wanted to do was the attempt that he made to paint 30 miniatures in 30 hours. Because this is Warren. What can Warren do in an hour a mini? And I think he, but he also wanted to make it fun. And so he said he wasn't going to compromise his standards or paint too quickly. And so he didn't take him 30 hours. I think it took him roughly about 45. Um, 
for 45 hours of painting these 30 dwarfs warren it's his sickening um, <laughs> yeah these are absolutely gorgeous um yeah yeah i think we, we've mentioned this i now i've mentioned this before with with warren's dwarves i think something i really really appreciate and like about his dwarves is that you look at them and on first glance they look quite simple and yet when you look at them they are just done perfectly yeah and they're actually not simple at all but because they're not super busy either with like doodads or extra flourishes of paint they just look so believable yeah. like the, this squad that we're looking at here which are primarily like the orange and yellow cloaks they look to me like they could just start walking about they look so real mm. um and i i think it is and i know from speaking with ron he says it, it's just watching youtube videos learning to master techniques and then just doing it a whole series of techniques really well um that's massively underselling how good a painter warren is but i think these are i'm going to say like some of the nicest dwarves i've ever seen painted yeah and yeah. these are ones that he painted really quickly yeah, I like these are the... rush painted almost <laughs> it's it's staggering isn't it i i like the fact that there's different colors of, of um uh clothes within the unit so you've got one guy in sort of blue most of them are in orange you've got i think three in yellow um and it's nice to kind of like it looks like a cohesive unit but there's little spots of color that um make them look like individual warriors but they're also clubbing together uh, uh just about vaguely organized yeah they sort of look like an extended family group or something yes or, yeah you know grimnar on the end there who didn't get the memo that it's orange week this week <laughs> it's tough i mean the eggshell blue um yeah just just the, all the units of these and then the unit of like the the more heavily armored dudes in the plate armor just really really nice you know i find like bizarrely like i find like plate armor really hard to paint that makes it look nice mm -hmm. that it just doesn't look like they're just blobs of steel um yeah so i, I think you know and, and lovely bases for these as well so thank you very much warren for the warren standard and thank you very much listeners this month for listening to all of the miniatures that we've talked about but worry not audio descriptions of hobby projects has not finished there for finally we are making the jump into talking about the terrain group and it, we are now handing over to ed who has produced the portfolio for the terrain chat so six months after we started it here we are with the terrain group first roundup and rather than try and go back and cover six months of terrain builds we are starting off in what's been posted relatively recently because we don't have a time machine to go back six months but also we want to actually start talking about the projects which people are talking about now those listeners who aren't members of the terrain group please look on the facebook group and you'll find links to the terrain subgroup look on there it is an absolutely wholesome group where people are quite often posting up their projects that they're working on people ask for like tips techniques 
people also post up uh, like works in progress, but also people I say like, oh, does anybody have the, you know, the floor plans for an Angolan post office? And, you know, surprisingly, people have posted it. Um, it it's a really great thing. And, you know, I've got to say now a huge thanks to Warren, who's done most of the legwork on getting the group up and running and, you know, keeps an eye on it. And now I'm going to hand over to Ed, who is going to lead us through the roundup of what he has seen jumping out at him as cool terrain groups build for the last you know, few weeks. And going forward every month when we do our normal galleries now, we're going to do a roundup of the terrain group in this main show. We had originally intended to try and do a separate terrain gallery um, show as well, but the way time and everything commits, we just going to have to combine the two because there are only so many hours in a day where we can talk about miniatures. So now, Ed, please enlighten us on the hobby support group terrain projects. So the first project is uh, Charles Roundtree. And uh, some of you will know um, from previous discussions that we've had with Charles about his uh, Korean War project. Um, and uh, the new project that he's working on is um, Battle of Scarif from the Star Wars Rogue One film. And if you remember from the film, that's the uh, large battle at the military facility uh, in a, a sea world with um, long uh, islands and, and, and uh, sandworks. Uh, this is a, um, a truly epic project. If you're going to go to um, Joy of Six, this should be ready in time. So you should be able to see this is a six mil scale recreation of the of the battle from the film and uh i've got some photographs here which i'm sharing with tom of the work that he's been doing up until june and yeah this is really awe-inspiring um in fact the first picture is from april i'm sorry so um he's got we've got the um uh, uh, the round military um, facility in one corner and then we've got the islands spreading off from it and I think one of the things that uh, Charles's projects really are good at is that you're immediately thinking how this is going to play as a game, uh, because you have all the sort of island hopping that you need to do, I guess, to get to the facility. And um, yeah, the uh, you also in uh, for scale, he's got some of the uh, large walkers and some of the planes as well in, in the photographs that he's posted and this looks like it's going to be a truly epic game um and he's one of the great things about the um uh hobby support group uh, serene uh, uh, scenery uh, uh facebook group is you get to see these things as they're being built so um you can see the network of pipes is uh getting added and um the i think the base of the um facility has hydraulic da uh, dams so the water is sort of spooling out into these kind of uh, into this big sort of pit. Uh, and so that's, I guess, powering the turbines. And you can see all into that detail uh, in, in the in the in the model. And he's slowly adding trees. So um, all, all the palm trees um, that, that you see uh, on these islands running along the pipelines um, and Obviously, there's the visual reference that you get for the film itself. 
So um, I'm guessing a lot of this is going to be based on the shots uh, from the film. But um, yeah, it, it, it's, it really sort of fills out seeing it all as one big model. You can see the whole battlefield and, and, and imagine the story that would, you know, how, how that kind of battle would, would play out in real time, as it were. And um, he's, he's posted up some pictures of the uh, tree, the, the process of making the trees as well. Which looks, I mean, the, the, how many do you think there are here, Tom? I mean, definitely over a hundred. I think there's about nearly a thousand. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, I know he told me. Um, I may be completely remembering incorrectly, but I think there's either like 800 and something or well over a thousand individual trees that he's had to make. And yes. I, now this is six, it has to be remembered that this is six mil scale. And so it, it's, it has got like the huge tower in it as well that from people have seen Rogue One but I think with no over exaggeration I don't think there is very much difference between the quality of this which is a piece of gaming terrain and like the shooting model that like a film company would have used for a movie 30 years ago I yeah. think that the level of detail that he's managed to put in this on such a small scale is truly awe-inspiring. And seeing how it's been built up, you know, over months and months, and things like, and, and how much I think, like, we're definitely going to have Charles on to talk about this um, soon. Also, going to have him to actually talk about his career board again one last time because that was so amazing. But I think, like, so much of this has also been like Charles himself working out and discovering techniques that work for him things like as you talked about the water in the the hydroelectric bits like working out like what combination of like tissue paper and glue and that sort of thing what works to create that sort of like textured like churned water and all that sort of stuff it's it's just it is truly mind-boggling to see what charles is turning out with this project and to be reminded of the fact that he isn't a professional model maker. Like, I think it, it's like definitely, I know we have some people in the group who are professional film quality model makers and they do make props and things for films. I will, you know, put my hat in the ring to say, I think Charles is equally akin to the modeling quality of them. And yet he's a hobbyist. Um, yeah. I think it is truly pure inspiration stuff. And it goes up as well as wide, as it were, because um, we have the Citadel Tower that um, is the last um, sort of piece of the puzzle that he's working on. So this is going to be awe-inspiring in its sort of breadth, but also it's going to have this giant sort of iconic um, uh, uh, tower on it as well. So it's it's going to be pretty. I'm pretty excited for seeing this at Joy Six. Yep. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. Um, and uh, so the next piece of work we've got is uh, Benjamin Fletcher, who's been working on the 40k uh, kill team terrain, and uh, this is. Um, first thing to say is that he's he's got a lot of it he's got multiple sets i think and i really like this kit i i think it's it's really good for, for modern gw stuff uh very atmospheric there's lots of little doodads and screens and, and whatnot but uh he's done a really great job uh on on painting 
because he's like I say, he's doing a lot of it. He says three tables worth is, is the plan, but he's not scrimped on the details. So lots of work on the skulls. And um, we also have the uh, um, all the kind of furniture um, sort of objectives, um, canisters. Lots of uh, screens, um, really simple work I, on the screen. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think doing things like painting all the grills, but actually putting something on the screens. Yeah. And like, yeah, like what he's done for the screens is on like a screen by screen effect. It looks a relatively simple process. You know, it's like you, how you'd paint like a window that they're, they're green with a, a darker green, in, a lighter green in one corner and then an even lighter green like slightly in the corners just to give you that depth of there's something on the screen but i think you know when you've got several hundred screens to paint you need something to be relatively simple to it but how he's taking all the time of like pecking out all the grills all the detail all the cabling and that sort of stuff and where you see so many terrain kits especially if you've got you know i know like when in the past when i painted up necromunda bulkheads you do the first one or two you pick out all the detail by the time you're painting number 87 the whole thing is getting paint sprayed black and then dry brushed bolt gun metal and that's it <laughs> um so no I, I think these look yeah on like a, a a a section by section basis relatively simple but done really well but i think as a table it's just going to look again real and sort of lived in even though it's being fanciful because you know having like yeah the screens turned on and that sort of stuff just gives the idea that you know everything's gone a bit wonky um, you know the screens aren't showing anything that you know it's it very much has that like doom vibe even though yeah. it's a kill team um yeah and you know i wouldn't like to paint three sets of it um, so, yeah. <laughs> i think when it's uh, finished you'd certainly feel a, a great deal of relief um yeah. so yeah a re really interesting project and i'll, I'll be impressed to see it when it's all done and my third and final choice is now I apologize um, if I'm going to mispronounce this name, but it's uh, Jan Boll uh, Jesperson, um, uh, I think. And um, we've got some uh, World War II scatter terrain from uh, war game tournaments. This is MDF uh, scenery and um, really simple. These are telegraph wires, uh, telegraph poles rather. And um, uh, because it's MDF, there are essentially sort of 2D. But how he's painted them and how he's based them uh, looks really good. And um, it goes to show you can, you know, with, with something that I think what I wanted to do with these choices is go for um, shop boughts and very detailed or shop bought and quite simple. And these are simple, but it's all about the, what you do with them. I, I think these look really great and he's done a really great job. No, I think these do look really great. And I think these are a great example of how the right bit of scatter terrain really elevates a table. Yeah. And I think you can have like, yeah, if, if you've just got like, especially if you're playing World War Two, you could very easily just have this entire engagement is taking part in something where there isn't a bush for like 10 miles. There's, you know, it's, it's just a completely flat plateau. There is no, we do not need any scenery at all. Running a road down the middle of it with a bunch of telegraph poles down one side just gives it some visual flair and look yeah and i think yeah i really like these that and the way that they're individually based looks really cool and i, I really like the selection of the things that you've picked out here 
edge with these three things because I think it shows a, a great idea of how you can just think relatively simple like these telegraph poles. Yeah, it's a relatively simple kit. It's a great use of MDF actually. Mm. Base them up, have them in your scattered terrain tub, but then they will be they will really add a lot of depth to some games you play. To something that the like the kill team stuff, yeah, it's very easy to buy kill team sets, but then it's going to be very dedicated time to paint it all. And then we have the absolute, you know, like the god tier hobby stuff of what Charles is doing with his scarif board, which is I think a lot of I think almost all of us can aspire to do and go, oh, it, I, it wouldn't it be amazing to do that. But I know definitely in my case, I simply aren't skilled enough to even contemplate mm-hmm. trying to do something like that. Um, but I, I really like how this is all and it's all it's a true representation of the hobby in that there is no right or one way, wrong way to do hobby. And you know, I think we've already talked about Andy's bunkers in the, the first half of this show, which came out last week. I think they would also, I would very happily chuck them in here as like, I think they're a great example of terrain building as well. And yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, I think honestly, they're some of the favorite things that I've, I've seen Andy do mm. in, in a while, simply because they're so fun. Yeah. And they, you know, yeah. They're two bits of tatty polystyrene that I was not going to throw in the bin. But it just proves with a bit of imagination, you could do it. And I, I think, I really like building terrain because I think terrain is one of those things where it isn't as keyed in on specific modeling skill. Like non, not many of us can paint as nicely as Warren can. Most of us can learn to make pretty passive, like quite nice terrain. We can't, yeah. make, most of us can't like, you know, even attempt to do anything that Charles is doing, but most of us can learn techniques or find ways of making terrain that does look really nice. And, you know, it's, it's Andy has the phrase that, you know, terrain is the third army. Absolutely, yeah. It really is. And, you know, I think especially like you and I have discussed about it and added to a lot of our games, it, it has really been the secret source that so many of our games was missing. And now in our case, it was something simply as simple as adding some strip fields yeah, yeah, to yeah. our terrain collection of going, oh, we can now play games in fields that don't look like the playing in your mid twentieth century Ukraine, it makes yeah. <laughs> more sense. Um, and just how you know things like those telegraph poles just were really going to, I think, make your table pop a lot more. Yeah. And it can just be, you know, whatever is the period or like location specific equivalent of telegraph poles. So you like, I know Andy's like painted up a uh, phone box. And that sort of thing, just those little bits and pieces that you can sort of drop down and go, you know, just instantly, I think, makes your terrains pop more. So thank you very, very much for that, Ed. It was, it was great to be on the other end of watching somebody else <laughs> talk about it all. It's, oh, this is how weird it is. Uh, <laughs> thank you. that, And thank you all listeners for listening in for this week. But please, I just want to, you know, take this moment to say, you know, we're closing in on like episode 100. And just, you know, thank you so much, listeners, for a listening every week and be posting up all your work which makes especially these gallery shows possible and you know just having such a nice community i know andy ed and myself and ben and warren everybody else who we rope into the show really enjoys it it is truly i think one of the nicest 
little ecosystems definitely on Facebook. I think it is a great reflection of, of the good in our hobby. And it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it, it's it is one of the few things that keeps me on Facebook. Yes. So thank you very much. And we will be back next week with an episode. We will see what episode it is with the timey wimey stuff that was explained at the beginning. I don't know yet. Hopefully you will by the time this is out. Good night, listeners. Good night, Ed. Good night, Tom.